Welcome to Muse and Metrics. This is your host, Philippa Burgess. This is season five, episode 17, and today's topic is diversity in leadership. I'm Hoda Abu Khadra. Um, I'm a women techmaker ambassador for a couple of years now, almost a couple of years. Uh, I'm mainly an analytics DevOps engineer um, with Scotiabank, working with the MLOps team to support their customer insights and data analytics. Um, I have switched to, to, to tech four, five years ago. Um, so I'm not, not coming from tech background. I, I used to work as an, an Arabic teacher. So I have my bachelor degree in arts. So my, my journey is pretty wild. Um, but yeah, I've been involved with the Google developer community for about like three years now. I joined uh, first as a, the founder and lead for the Google Developer Student Club at my campus, which um, which uh, was uh, at uh, Sheridan College, community college in Ontario, Canada. And uh, then I, after graduation, I joined the Google Developer Group of Mississauga as an organizer and also joined the Women Techmaker pro Techmakers Program as an ambassador. It has been a really rewarding journey. Happy to be here. <laughs> my dad always told me back home. I used to volunteer a lot back home, like since I was like elementary school. My dad will take me to charity organization to 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 to, to volunteer with my siblings, and he always told me, um, "Your success is not just measured by how good you are in your job or um, with your family as a mother or as as a daughter. It's it's also measured by how are you benefiting others." How are you supporting your community? How are you sharing your knowledge? Um, and this is why I loved Google developers communities because I felt like I can volunteer while growing, while meeting people, while building connections and benefiting students, early professionals by sharing, you know, my knowledge, um, tips on, you know, how to land, uh, like, uh, job opportunity or interview, how to pass, how, how to crack like a in technical interview, uh, because there is like, I would say there is huge gap between what students are learning at schools and what are the industry standards. There, there, there is some gaps out there that I think we are doing our best to fill. And I, I appreciate that. I will say that my education and in having gone back to graduate school and Again, my degree now is a master of science, which is said, new for the fact that I kind of come from this very creative background. And I, I, being part of Google has really supplemented, complemented this, my, my academic education. And I don't think my education honestly would be feel complete without it. Being a Google Women Tech Makers Ambassador has brought 100%. so much more to the conversation and to my learning and to what I can add to my classmates as well. And even my professor became a Google Women Techmakers <laughs> ambassador when I when I brought the opportunity to my department. I was Absolutely. like, oh, hey. Uh, and so it's, and I think also being older, I'm learning to raise my hand for things. I just have more confidence and I have maybe not as much uh, of a sense of the boundaries. Now I'm kind of hitting like, oh, I can't take on anything else. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Because, uh, but I have really raised my hand in ways that I think other people are, you're, when you're younger, just your attention's on other things or you don't have the confidence. And yeah, I have, you're kind of like shy, you're not sure, you know, if people are going to take you seriously, uh, especially within like a man-dominated field, right? 
as a teacher, I wasn't in a male dominated field. <laughs> I had like 90 to like 80 to 85% of, of my peers were female students back home in Egypt. However, when I switched to tech and let alone being a mother of three little children, I was like, how am I going to fit here? <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's again, it's the community related activities, the student unions um, who are, I feel like they are doing lots of great work in closing these gaps and connecting people just beyond their age or their background. The more you get out there and the more you connect with people from different backgrounds, the more you understand um, how we bring um, diverse perspective. Yeah, like in our community, in our workplace. Um, currently, I'm a master's student too, but <laughs> mostly focus on um, focusing on data science because it's related to my work responsibilities. But the more I connect with my with my team members, like and you know, have like regular coffee chats from from time to time with leaders from my workplace at Scotia Bank, I learned like we have lots in common that you can't imagine. Like I was just chatting with one of my VPs the other day, and they were like Liverpool fans. I'm not sure if you are like football fan, um, but I am a strong Liverpool fan. <laughs> especially after Mo Salah joined, you know, the Egyptian king. Um, so kind of like really watching every single match there, telling my kids about Mo Salah and how he's fantastic. I was just chatting casually during lunchtime at the office with, with one of my VPs. And I found out that they are also watching Liverpool and like football or soccer. They call it soccer here in North America. I, I was still called football because you play it with food. <laughs> um, um, the more you learn about other people, the more you, like, I wouldn't imagine that your mom spent lots of time with her, uh, maybe younger, younger years in Egypt. I wouldn't know that. Yeah. She was there until she was 13 and she's from a large family. So she was one of the younger ones. So they, they really all grew wow. up there. They're all born there, all grew up there. And, uh, and actually my father, uh, he's English and he, born and raised and educated in England, but then he traveled significantly and he, he was really proud of himself for what he thought was kind of good beginner conversational professional Arabic. And then he went to Kuwait and everybody just made fun of him and they're like, uh, no, that's not how we speak here. <laughs> because he, he probably was speaking the classic one. Right? Yes. Yeah. one, not, not the dialect. Yeah. Yes. And I was speaking with another woman from Morocco who's living in Qatar. And she was saying, she's like, it's totally different. She's like, I have to translate it in my head because it's not the same. Yeah, the, the Moroccan, like the Western, the, the, the Western, like Algeria, Tunisia, uh, Moroccan ones are really different dialects than the Gulf area, than um, the middle area, like Egypt, Syria, Palestine, Libya, those kind of. So everyone will understand Egyptians because of the media. Like, you know, we make lots of movies, songs. Um, so everyone will understand Egyptians, but it's not the, the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's very diverse. And actually what you were talking about, soccer and football, I mean, just having just spent my six weeks in England and my parents are very English, is it's a religion. I mean, it is, we're talking about religion. I mean, football is the, soccer is the religion. I mean, it is so, 
uh, much about who do you, who, who's your team? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and exactly. it's such a powerful way that people connect and they bond and they, they and have Egypt, that commonality. In Egypt, like boys will be playing soccer in the street after school. Like my, my brother, my, my husband, in their childhood, they used to spend like three, four hours after each school day just playing a soccer in the street. Um, so it's really popular. It's the national game that everyone is following. Uh, now we are we are more following the Premier League for sure. Um, most of the Egyptians like are having the Premier League as, as the top one to be watched, especially when Mo Salah joined Liverpool. He was in Chelsea before, but he wasn't given much attention at that time. But once he moved to Liverpool, we're like, everyone is wearing, like, my brother got, like, the Liverpool t-shirt for himself and his son and his daughter. Like, <laughs> so, it's, yeah, we take it really seriously. <laughs> and so yeah. it really is it just, it's it's so much a part of the culture. It's what people do. Yes. It's what people love. Yes. It's what brings them together. It's what just gives them passion to sort of root for these different teams and and follow their journeys and follow the players. And it's a and support them too, like yeah. when they face like difficult times, right? You'd see the fans lining up for their loved player to support them, like if they got injured or if they are going through a hard time, family related. Like I remember when Cristiano Ronaldo lost his daughter, right? Um his baby i'm not sure it was if it was a boy or, or a girl but he i think it was a boy he lost his his baby and um and he got lots of empathy and uh, even the liverpool fans they kind of like um they did something at minute 7 when they when he was playing against them in in the anfield um liverpool fans are are the best like yeah they're very empathetic yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. I'm I'm coming from mixed culture as well. So my grandmothers, both of them are Turkish, but my grandfathers are Egyptian, are Egyptian to the root. Like they are really very Egyptian. So I kind of like mixed in. My, my husband is also half Egyptian, half Moroccan. So his his grandfather from Moroccan. And now now my my daughter is asking me, mommy, like which box am I? <laughs> like I was born in Canada. <laughs> I was born in Canada. I'm also telling her, yes, you are Canadian, but you are Egyptian at the same time. Like I'm trying to, to, to really emphasize the the culture and the roots because it's really important to to, to have something to stand back on, right? Um, well, so my mom was mixed because my mom, it, my grandmother, my mom's mother was Lebanese as far back as you go. So, oh and, wow, <laughs> and she had moved as a young girl. Because her yeah. older sister's uh, husband decided to do business in in Cairo, and they had a young uh, young young child, and so she came to sort of be a, a nanny and au pair to sort of help her sister out with the baby, and that's what brought her to Egypt. And then she met this British soldier, who is my grandfather. So that, and then they got married and had eight kids in Egypt. So that was that's so kind like of, a love story kind of thing. Like. Yes. <laughs> so so my mom is is half Lebanese. That's why they grew up in the house speaking Egyptian and French and English oh yeah yeah i know lebanese people are really good in french too yes uh, yeah yeah that's true so my grandmother pretty much only spoke french and arabic and then my grandfather i guess was spoke english trying to. They didn't even <laughs> really speak the same language when they met but over the years i guess 
she got she got a little bit more English and he got more French more and Arabic. more Arabic. <laughs> and, um, so, yeah, but like in my household growing up, I always grew up with Arabic words, Arabic phrases. Um, oh, that's definitely so lovely. Part of, and like I said, our neighbors being. I, I can give you Arabic lessons for free. <laughs> I welcome. I love learning languages. I and I'm I'm very horizontal right now. I'm not very deep because yeah. I learned French in school and through. But I've been uh, learning Russian, Ukrainian, and a little bit of Mandarin. Mm -hmm. And I looked at Dutch and I was like, wow, Dutch is like a mashup of French, German, and English. And and uh, that's it. Those are where that's where. I, and I have Arabic on my list, but I haven't gotten there yet because I've still been like, I just, I want to get to a conversational point in Russian and Ukrainian. I want to basically be able to turn on a, a YouTube video and understand what they're saying. That's and I'm amazing. almost there. Yeah. I can pick out a lot of words, but I don't quite get the whole thing. So I want to go a little bit more deeper in that. And then I'd be ready to pick Which up a new one. you loved more? Like, uh, I'd say. I, I actually really like, I, I, I mean, they're, they're, they're different and I want to own their differences, but I really like Russian and Ukrainian. And I think I like the idea that it's a different alphabet. I think is why I would actually be very interested in Arabic. Uh, Mandarin just bends my brain a little bit more because what I actually like about Ukrainian and Russian is that because I have a foundation in English and French, so many words are very familiar to me. Like if you just listen to it and you have a very basic vocabulary, yeah. a lot of words are French or English. And if you actually read Russian, it's because it's a different alphabet. It looks different. It looks like, oh, what is that? Once you read it, it phonetically, it's an English word or it's a French word. Yeah, so I, yeah. I almost feel like I have a third of the vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, I get I get it. Yeah. And so I think, um, so actually, I, and I think that's probably the, similarly with Arabic or most languages. And this is why Mandarin is its own thing. I, I, I'm picking up a few words. I think with Mandarin, I, I study it in a slightly different way. Like, for example, I'll, I'll, I actually will use AI. I'll use like ChatGPT and Bard and I'll ask it questions. And so, for example, I learned like boo and like, okay, I know what the symbol for boo is. And I know if boo is in a word. I know that it says it's a no or a not. So oh, I just know that that's, okay. uh, that's going to make the whole phrase like have a negative to Like it's, this is not. That's brilliant. <laughs> So when I traveled to China, so I think that when I traveled to China, we got definitely our basic word list. But what was interesting is like Chinglish is a real thing where the Chinese brain translates English differently than an English person would. Mm -hmm. So they, they English is definitely a very apparent second language in China, uh, but it just is phrased in a way that as an English person, I was like, you've never seen that before. <laughs> and so there was a great humor to me in my travels to China because I was like, and I like language. So I was like, oh, that's just a fun way of phrasing something. Like for example, like the sign at the elevators, no flapping, which basically is like, don't put your hand in the door and, and flap it around oh, to hold I the see. door open. But their sign will literally say no flapping. It's <laughs> so nice. Yeah. So it, there's just humor in that. And I, but again, it's just, it's a different, because it's not, you can't learn it like an alphabet because it's Arabic. There's an alphabet. Yeah, it's more true. of a script. And so it just looks different. But I'm sure once I can sort of start picking apart and knowing what the letters are, what the the, the vowels and the consonants and, and so understanding. The thing in Arabic, we have we have alphabets, but the, the shape of the alphabet changes if it's coming in the beginning of the word or the middle or at the end. 
So you will see it, the words are kind of like scripted, but no, when we read, we know each alphabet, just the shape is different. Uh, when it comes at the beginning of the word, in the middle of the word, or at the end, it looked the shape of the alphabet just a change, but the sound's still the same. But okay. we have alphabets, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so once you kind of look into it and start to understand those things, it it, mm -hmm. it reveals itself. I think with a lot of things, and I think this brings us back to tech, it's if you look at it long enough, it's not so scary. Like for the for someone who doesn't code, seeing code for the first time, you're like, oh my gosh, what is this? What's this? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then when you get into it, it starts to be logical. It starts to make sense. Okay, I understand what that yeah. function is. I understand what that does. And a lot of the code I'm working with right now, it's like they give us sample code to work with and it's like, okay, customize this. Or I bring it into ChatGPT and I said, hey, help me with this. Help me mm -hmm. figure out what I'm doing wrong here or where do I, what's the starting point? And so having those AI tools to me has been really great for relearning code. Yeah, 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 of course. I wish I had ChatGPT three years ago <laughs> when I was just learning what is the difference between the method and the class. And because I, I learned uh, Java, so I, I learned coding with Java just first term at school. So it was really hard to, to pick up the... Um, the main object-oriented programming concepts for someone who's coming from really non-technical background, right? What is this? What's happening here? Um, so I believe, yeah, Google Google was my best friend on YouTube for sure, but ChatGPT is just powerful. Like, just be able to ask simple question and the way they explain the answer. Yeah, of course, you, you are not you are not relying on it as your only source of information, right? Because it's not 100% accurate. Um, but if this is what we have now, imagine what's going to be in in five years from now. I'm not a fan of writing. I'm not a good writer myself. Like even in Arabic, back home, I remember when I was a child, <laughs> we used to get this like composition posture, right? In, in Arabic, like for Arabic language. I was like seven, eight years old, and we had this composition uh, that teachers like told families or parents that, hey, prepare your child to prepare to, to prepare like a couple of paragraphs about the Nile River, okay, and how it's it's important for the children, okay. And my mom kept like repeating those sentences and telling me what to write before the exam and went to the exam and I'm like, I remember everything in my brain, but I'm just too lazy <laughs> to write it down on paper when I just said, oh, like the Nile River is really important for us. That's it. I just left. And then my mom was waiting outside the school. It was like a private school. And she was like, okay, like you got, you got the composition topic that we were preparing. And I was like, yeah, and <laughs> so I'm really thankful that I have this magical tool that makes my writing easier. I just, you know, I give just the main ideas and it helps you, you know, with, with, with really good templates. If you are reaching out to speakers, you know, they want, you want to invite people to join your events. Uh, you are just adding detailed agenda for your day. Um, it's really great, and especially for um for non-natives right like i'm i don't have english as a first language so sometimes i struggle with some expressions you know yes like if i take it to grammarly 
grammar is correct, but the way I'm setting the tone is, is the tone of the um, of the email is different from what I wanted. ChatGPT fix everything, <laughs> not just mistakes, grammar mistakes, but also um, setting the tone. Like if you want a casual template, he will give you a casual template. If you if you want a formal one, he will give you a formal one. So. Yeah, and I I'm at the opposite end because I am a native speaker and I overwrite. I've I've been writing since I was five. They gave me a little typewriter and I was like, doo, 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 doo. I have so much to say. I've been journaling. I I that's love. That's a write. great skill. Yeah, that's a great skill for sure. It it is, but but here's the thing: is it's not because I overwrite. I make things more complicated. I'm not good at simplicity. I'm not good at just making it yeah. so clear and concise and bullet pointed i did have like someone say you just need more bullet points in your writing because i my brain just goes really fast and i can kind of keep up but there's just a lot there and it's very confusing to people it's not as simple and as straightforward so when i take my messy overwriting into chat gpt it simplifies <laughs> it it bullet points <laughs> it. It, it yeah and it makes it a lot clearer a lot more digestible and a lot just better for the the end result in the audience you know you have your idea you want you want you have your scope yeah right for your content you have your ideas you just it just helps you put the appropriate context to it kind of so you don't need to spend for me i would spend hours drafting like an email for my leadership team svps and vps and i keep re like reviewing i have this like you know, I, I, almost an anxiety attack before sending the email, right? If I'm working on something really high level. Um, so it really helps. So I would I would use any tool as long as it's ethical use. You know, it's my ideas that I want to draft. It just make me set the tool correct, um, add more context to it, you know, shuffling some words. It's still, if I'm giving... If I'm giving it five sentences, it's still giving me back five sentences. Like it's uh, maybe sometimes four sentences to keep it more concise. But it's not, you know, I'm just not using someone else's ideas or thoughts. It's my ideas at the end. And so I think another thing is you yeah. have to sort of work with it with things that you can, your knowledge kind of overrides it and can say, yeah, that's not right. Or can yeah, you do that a, again? If it's a specific information, yeah, for sure. Like um, if it's specific uh, tech-related information or like one time, it was really not not really technical related. It was something related to LinkedIn. And I had a question related to if you unfollow someone and refollow again, would they get a notification? <laughs> and I asked ChatGPT, okay, before researching it. And um, and. Uh, it was like, yeah, sure. LinkedIn like is 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 great, and they do, it doesn't send like any notification if you refollow again. And I took it to Google, and the source from LinkedIn itself says they do resend the notification again. <laughs> so this kind of information you need to. And I, I had to correct ChatGPT. I was like, you know what? You are wrong. This is the source from LinkedIn, and blah 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 blah. So yeah, I, I for sure don't rely on it as a sole source of information. Um, but when it comes to just to drafting some emails, writing some notes, sending teams, uh, business meetings, invites with a specific agenda, it really makes your life easier. So 
yeah, I, I love it. And for learning coding, I don't, I'm not afraid of anything. I know like together we can solve any <laughs> coding challenge that I might have. And so it's, uh, and I think that's what I'm like I said, enjoying so much is building things. And um, I initially one time, you know, we kind of had our paths kind of crossed in Women's Developers Academy. And I, I knew sort of in the application, there was a public speaking angle to it, but I didn't realize it was a no code uh, adventure. It was really understanding like, hey, these people know how to code. Let's take them to the next level and be able to get them ready to get out on stages. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, I think these are the things that are kind of confirming my stage for, for podcasting and for YouTube, because I'm like, Hey, this is where I, this is the stuff I already know. This is stuff I've already done in my career. And I've already always been sort of behind the scenes. Now I'm kind of getting in front of the mic, but yeah, just the whole sort of communication space is really comfortable for me. I think in my last piece of my career, I did a lot of time where I just wore the costume of companies and, and executives. And I, I ghost wrote for a lot of them, but it was still, it was me on stage and it was me creating. You just didn't know it was me. And yeah. I think that, um, you know, in seeing things like Women Developers Academy. So what was your, your sort of experience there? What were some of your takeaways um, from WDA? Um, from the Women um, Developer Academy. So I have been speaking before the Women Developer Academy, like as, you know, leads at the club at my campus. Um, I'm pretty active with other organizations, like uh, outside also Google developers. But what I loved about the Google Developers Academy was the intention to enable more women to have more representation. So um, they are really caring about uh, representing especially visible minority groups like myself. Um, when, when I went to when I went to school, I didn't see any um, public speaker who looks like me in my kind of area. Like I would say in Toronto, I didn't see like a major speaker or some someone. I know for sure from my peers, we are a lot <laughs> in tech, like women in tech from especially like Egyptians and um, now Syrians, like after after we, we, we got lots of Syrians in Canada um, after the war at Syria, uh, lots of my peers now are also in tech, graduated from my the same program. They look like me. They might not be as comfortable as me when, when it comes to going on a stage and, and, and speak, like public speaking wise, but we exist. And when I was a student, made your student um i didn't see someone who looks like me and uh, it really affected sometimes my thoughts would i be able even to make it like i don't see anyone um until i decided to be the one <laughs> let me let me be the first that that's fine let me join let me make the google developer student club let me join women technicians let me uh, organize uh, like events for the google developer group in mississauga recently like a couple of weeks ago um we had our deffest event and it was fantastic our first deffest event, event ever so i just started to tell myself don't wait for someone to to look up to just be be the first. Why not? <laughs> be the first. And this is what I'm getting now. Um, when I connect with 
women from minority groups, um, different groups, not just uh, like visible Muslim women, um, I get this feedback always. Like, thank you for being there. You're, you are giving us hope that someone else did it. Like a mother with three children without ex extended family or support went back to school in the middle of, before, before even the pandemic, and I spent the two years of pandemic um, in lockdowns in Canada here, we were pretty strict. Um, so my kids were home and it was a lot, yeah, very messy, very tragic. <laughs> but at the end, I believe um, my role with the Google developer community really impacted my growth in general. Whenever I see opportunity related to women tech makers that fits um, my growth plan, I just sign up. Like women, women, WZ, sign me up. Sign me up and I will figure out the time, a commitment later, you know. <laughs> sign me up and I, I will I will do whatever it takes to, to get the job done later. Um, because again, my main motivation is to represent my group, to represent women coming from maybe Middle East, Egypt, Syria, uh, and also give hope to mothers coming from any other group um, that they can do it too. Like, yes, it's it's not easy. It's definitely challenging, but it's a really rewarding journey. And I just hope we can normalize um, women switching to tech and offer more support to them, you know, recognize their hard work and and um, see it as something to to be proud of and not just like how you do it or sometimes you, you get judged too right like sometimes people when they see a mother thriving in her career or trying to inspire others they're like nobody can take it all so she must be you know not not as good as a mother or or as a wife, which is definitely not the case. But I don't know. I'm trying just to kind of raise awareness about what what I stand for, what I believe um, in, and keep 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 supporting other fellow mothers and women in their journey as well. Really, I'm 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 grateful that it's it's a lot easier now. To learn and it's a lot easier now to upskill yourself than before. Um, I just hope we can normalize women um, in this space, like women thriving in this space, mothers thriving in this space. Like, um, don't treat mothers um, who are ambition that they are, you cannot balance it all or you have to pick, you know, your priorities. Or, you never tell a dad you have to pick your priority, right? Like, why why you tell that to only mothers? Like, parenthood should be should be uh, something that's managed by both parents, like a dad and a mom. So why are you judging women? <laughs> well, and that's very much the the case where a lot of the interviews that I have done, like, that's a very common theme, and actually. I have come to the conclusion that it's not women that need that next generation, next evolution of support. It's actually men. It's men who need a culture at work that says, I need to go pick up my kid. I need to go take the kid to the doctor and that that is supported and that that, that the men are given the flexibility and that the men 
equally can share those responsibilities at home because they have more flexibility at work. All of this flexibility that Ooh. women are like, yes, yes, we are getting it now and we appreciate it. We need it. And, the, you know, whether it's, you know, not all jobs are work from home, but that, the, you know, some jobs can be done flexibly and yeah. that women are really appreciating and celebrating that because they're like, yes, this is what we could have done all along. But we stepped into a man's world and a man's culture. And um, the, you know, but I think a lot of the culture of, of the work for men is inflexible and that they're sissy men if they were to sort of really stand up and say I'm committed to being a good father and I have these roles and responsibilities that I need to sort of fold into my yeah. work and I think that that to me is actually where we get equality is not just giving women more flexibility but actually baking it into the culture for men as well normalizing a dad being a dad, like just normalizing a dad being a dad. I'm, I'm one of the things that I'm thankful for with my current team at Scotia Bank is this is 100% normalized. Like I have other parents on my team, they are men, and it's really simple that my director would say, I cannot come to the office on that day. I need, like my, my son is having uh, a concert or I'm doing picking up picking up and drop off on those couple of days. So I'm not going to be in the office. And uh, I have seen my boss, my direct boss as well, doing something similar. Okay, I'm dropping my daughter. I'm picking up my daughter. I'm helping my daughter, my coworker, or my, my, my another senior on my team who recently became a new dad. Um, same thing, like we have a team vacation calendar and we will just at uh, our vacation day. So he literally listed first day of daycare for his son as like an event on the team vacation calendar. So, and it's really encouraging when I am around those people because I feel like if that happens to me as well, if I I, I, I received a call from the school and um, for, for example, my husband can, cannot do the pickup because he's downtown, he's far away and I'm working from home today, I have to do it. I'm not going to be judged to be to say I need to stay away for an hour to pick my daughter or son from school because, you know, they are not feeling well or for any other reason. Right. So um, I'm not sure how, how the culture is in the U.S., but I feel like it's really very accepted here, like from even speaking with my peers who got into another banks or another corporates, it's really common to see parents, like dads, saying that in a meeting. Like, I'm sorry, I need to drop off. Like, I need to take care of this. I need to take care of that. Um, so this is definitely part of the discussion. We need to normalize it everywhere. And we need to, like, keep supporting women, keep keep representing women from different backgrounds. Um, just the, the one size fits all doesn't fit with lots of cultures. Like if we are looking to support women coming from minority groups, um, their needs and their culture is different. For example, dads taking care of their children to the point that I'm seeing in, in, in the white culture here, the white Canadian culture, it's not like that in the Middle East. Usually the mom is the primary caregiver, right? We have kind of like traditional roles. So, so if you are a hiring manager, if you are a professor and you have a mother from Middle East, 
Eastern background or even Indian background or, or, or Far Eastern background, don't expect, if she's married, don't expect her husband to be taking care of the half of the workload because this is not usually the case. Uh, we have our own culture. Yes, my husband can be support, supportive in, in other ways, but when it comes to the, the, the main chores, like inside the house, it's traditionally it's, it's women focused. As for example, I don't have to care about getting any groceries or fixing any car or put, put any, any gas on, on the car to keep it going. Like I don't need to care about this. I know my husband's taking care of it. But generally I see most of the time in corporates, the focus is like, yes, we need to support more women and then check mark. Who, who are, what are you checking on? Like, what are, what are, what is the support, and how did you identify the support that women need? Um, how many women from, how many women from minority groups did you interview? Did you listen to? Because I can tell you, our experience <laughs> is hundred percent different <laughs> from a Canadian um, white mother. And at what time, a couple of years ago, it was the Women International Day. And I had this meeting with lots of like important people. Um, just can't, can't tell the names and can't tell the organizations. But I was asking a question about, uh, it was like all female uh, leadership roles, okay? And um, they were celebrating their success because they were, you know, in, in very senior leadership position. And I was still a student at the time doing my internship. And I just asked how you deal with the guilt feeling as a mother, like when you, when, when you were young, when you are talking now that you are a mother and your, your, your kids are like 20, 25 years old, early back, like 20 years ago, when you, when you had younger children. How did you deal with the guilt feeling? I was really struggling going through this guilt feeling as a full-time mom, full-time student, um, without any support except just the financial support that my husband is providing for 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 the house, you know, for the family. Um, but I had this ongoing guilt feeling that I'm not spending enough time with my kids when they are like two to three years old, like they are still, you know, toddlers, preschoolers. I'm just dropping them to a daycare, picking them off, um, studying overnight to finish my assignments. I was struggling and the answer I received from one of them really impacted my mental health for a long time. She completely denied that this is a thing. There is no guilt. I don't understand the question. She literally said that. I don't understand the question. And I just felt my heart sink because I felt like, is it just me going through this? Although I can tell from the reaction I got on my comment, on my question, it was, it was an anonymous question. It was under my name. And I, I received like eight or nine hearts, I guess, when I asked. It was really a genuine question from someone struggling, looking for a role model to give me some guidance or advice. There was one from Chinese background 
who literally answered my question by action items. I used to do this and my husband used to do that. And she kept, she kept adding more and more, adding sharing tips and advice. While the white Canadian lady, she completely denied the question. She's like, shouldn't be asking this kind of question. And to be honest, her answer um, tells a lot about how different, how different our experiences are as a mother working in the same organization. Um, we are completely different. <laughs> we are completely different. And uh, the, the answer shocked me to the point that it's impacting me till today. Like I am now a full-timer thriving, getting all the recognition I deserve for my hard work. Um, I'm out, out there. I'm not the full-time student, the naive one who doesn't know what to do. But I still remember, you know, when, when someone tells you something and it kind of engraved in your core memory? Yep. Yes. A simple act of empathy like yeah maybe that that happened from time to time but now we, we want to encourage dads to take more responsibility on for example or i'm sorry you are feeling that way for example <laughs> yeah i was gonna say even if it's not your experience to have empathy for the experience and to sort of say i'm maybe i'm not the right person to ask but i hear you i feel you yeah and uh, it was uh, honestly, um, it changed a lot about how really we are coming from really different cultures and how the support women are come are getting from minority groups is really different from white Canadian groups. Um, I'm not saying it's it's their fault or anything. I'm just I, I just want an acknowledgement that. Uh, when a company checkbox that, oh, yeah, we provide support for women tech. No, you're not. <laughs> what kind of support are you providing? Who did you ask? Did you ask some people who are denying the struggle at all? The narrative needs to be changed. Like, this is kind of like the bottom line. Uh, the narrative needs to be changed. You cannot group all women in one group. Yes, I know not everyone is aware of what other challenges women are other women are going through but you can you can't paint all women in tech with the same brush this is really not gonna be unfair it's like are you being equal or are you or do you want to achieve equity because equal doesn't equal is not equivalent to equity right so the thing is if you are an organization you need to look for individuals like based on it's again, it's not one size fits all. Um, someone without a child um, might have other responsibilities than someone with a child, right? A, a single mother is different from a married one, right? Um, so a, a single a single father as well. We have there are lots of single dad out there that for some reason nobody is is is, is giving attention to them as well that I, I feel for. It's not just a single mother's issue or woman issue, but it's it's the community. Like are you are you trying to 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 listen to every single case, at least 
at least understand that people are not the same, right? We are coming from different cultures. We are coming from different status. We're coming from different backgrounds. So having kind of like flexibility and acknowledgement at the same time would literally help. Like being a leader, for example, let's see, let's say a VP or an SVP in your organization. Um, just try to take a second to think that your employers are not the same. Their homes are not the same. Their health condition are not the same, right? So how, how do you cater for an inclusive space for everyone, right? I'm, I'm happy that the inclusive discussions, like the, the inclusive topic discussion are coming more frequent now um, because it's, it's pretty much needed that people feel heard. People with children, people without children, people coming from white background or people coming from non-white background. Because my, my boss is white and he was caring with for his dad when he uh, got diagnosed with, with cancer in late stages. It was taking him to chemo, chemotherapy sessions, joining the meeting from the hospital over the phone while waiting for his dad to take his treatment. So again, not because he's white male guy in, in a leadership position, that means he is problem free. No, <laughs> of course not. So the thing is, as, as, as a manager or as a leader for, for someone who's going through this, I will give more flexibility, more time for them to be able to support them, right? Because they are taking care of their... Um, you know their 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 elder elder parents. Um, so definitely, I'm, I'm I'm happy that the inclusive related topics are being brought up more frequently, like in summits and in DevFest, and I'm, I'm I'm glad more organizations are catering to 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 have space for that, including Google for developers and women tech makers. It's even when when organizing a DevFest or an event. There is a checkbox for inclusion and diversity. Like, how are you? How are you fulfilling the diversity and inclusion in your event? So at least it's a thought that every organizer will need to to go over when planning an event or when submitting the wrap up of the event. Like, for example, I had this X number of people join, blah 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 blah. And these are the photos and these are the presentation. So when we do the wrap up. You also get to hear the feedback from your your people and you get to think did i fulfill anything related to inclusion and diversity or was it just tech 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 and that's it <laughs> was it just generative ai and bard and palm 2 or did we did we talk about anything else so um so yeah i'm i'm grateful to be part of Google developers and uh, women tech makers, uh, other organization like Accelerator Future, which is also a local organization that supports women uh, of color in business and STEM. Um, and I, I hope we just keep keep supporting those those topics and those initiatives to raise all the awareness we can. I'm not sure if you have seen this story on LinkedIn, uh, but there was a a famous post <laughs> that really got lots of interactions 
from an uh, um, uh, an Asian uh, MIT student, like she's she was a girl, and uh, she wanted to use this like um, um, models, like image models to to image based or, or the facial based uh, models to make her you know picture more professional, right? And uh, the application give her her picture, the output one as a blonde, <laughs> like with, with a yellow hair and blue eyes to make her professional. And she was already MIT student, but she doesn't look like professional based on the data that the model was trained on, right? So it's it's the thing is, what is the data that, is you, that are you using, that you are feeding to your models? I was thinking to get this uh, professional head, headshot, right? Uh, from one of those apps. But I, then I stopped, I was like thinking about my headscarf. What kind of headscarf it would give me? <laughs> <laughs> like I, I can give I can give it like five, six selfies with different scarves. I was really curious to see the output, but uh, I might test it just for fun. But yeah, like, like I, or would it just to take off the scarf and give me like, brown hair or, or yellow hair like i have no idea but i think it's worth this thing now just raise the awareness as a community you know to be to to to, to kind of like cater for inclusive space to support every single one we have in our community if you are black you are welcome if you're white you're welcome if you are if you're christian you're welcome if you are non-believer you're welcome if you're muslim you're welcome just to be able to have an inclusive space where people can be can feel safe to share their ideas, their thoughts. You can agree or disagree, that's fine, right? As long as you have an inclusive space where everyone is respected. This is, I think, one of my dreams. Just <laughs> give me a space with where everyone is respected and nobody's judged, being judged. <laughs> Canada. The major struggle here is what happened to the indigenous children in mm -hmm. the residential school. They call it school, but they killed them. Like yes. they, are, they are announcing mass graves every like every three, four months. You get like, oh, we discovered like three hundred bodies. Oh, we discovered this and that. It wasn't just killing them, but you can imagine all sorts of abuses, like sexual abuse and. Everything you can imagine happened to those poor children and communities. Um, so we are mostly kind of like the focus and raising the awareness would be mostly go to the indigenous communities in Canada to be able to support them more because again, what they are going through um, or what they went through generationally was tragic, traumatic. And um, of course, they, they cannot be treated as the same as the rest because nobody went through what they went through. Like when they shared their the stories of their mothers and grandmothers, um, it's really make your heart like speechless. You are completely speechless. Like you see, you read stories about indigenous children trying to 
to to to run away from those schools, right? Because they are being killed and 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 and, and raped and everything you can imagine there. Um, one 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 poor boy didn't make it. I think he was like nine years old or so because he he got died because on his way um, because of the cold. Just died. So I'm, I'm again. I'm thankful that now I believe lots of organizations across Canada are raising the awareness about the struggle that indigenous communities are facing, um, giving lots of attention to refugees from different backgrounds like Syrian refugees, Ukrainian refugees, um, and I believe the way um, Canadian people, like the Canadian citizens here, are 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 seeing. Um, other cultures, I think it's more accepting than U.S. Like from my from my friends and and peers' experience when traveling to the U.S., they're like Canadians are more kind, Canadians are more calm. <laughs> they're really nice. They say sorry a lot. You know, <laughs> um, they're really open to any culture. So if you went to Toronto downtown, you will see all kinds of restaurants and cuisines you can imagine. Uh, when I go to have like work lunch with my peers, what time we would eat Thai, the other time we'd eat shawarma, the third day we will eat like Korean food. So we are pretty much blended. If you can feel it like in, in maybe my team is very nice, but <laughs> I think again, I'm lucky to to be working with very, very nice group. But I didn't, I've been living in Canada for 10 years now. So I, I get sense of like, what Canadians usually are. Yes, you might face like racist situation here and there as, as a visible Muslim. I, myself, I was I was targeted before uh, in um, verbal attack, um, which, which was fine. Um, but the, the cool thing about that attack, it was verbal, like across the street, I was just walking my kids in the stroller. <laughs> um, another Canadian couple, like white couple, they started... Um, shouting back at the guy who hated me <laughs> so they were defending me already i i didn't i didn't have to say anything i just had my sunglasses on i was just smiling like i don't understand a word you know like i don't understand english <laughs> but i didn't care much but of course i inside i was freaking out because the weather was just getting warmer in canada so i was like okay i'm not picking my daughter my oldest with with the car i'm gonna just walk with a stroller to get her from the neighborhood school. Um, after that time, I told my husband, I'm not walking again. I'm going to go with the car because I was scared for my children. But what I loved even in that situation was that the Canadian couple defending me and my children, although they didn't know me. They didn't know if I'm... Um, lots of people mistaking me being a refugee because lots of Syrians are visible Muslims as well. Once, I, once they're like, oh, you're Egyptian. Yes, I'm Egyptian. And this is not saying that I'm better than anyone else, or but they understand that I'm here because probably I got enough points in my education to, to get here as a professional. Uh, because lot, lots of the refugees coming, you know, they don't track their educational level or give them points for how many degrees they have as they usually do for immigration, right? For immigration, you have to get minimum requirements to, to be accepted in the Canadian immigration system. Um, 
So yeah, so even even when being attacked verbally, a Canadian couple defended me. So I I was like, okay, I'm gonna go home, be happy with that. <laughs> I'm doing this and I'm looking at my daughters. Um, they got this like black curly hair, Egyptian hair. And um, yeah, they might grow up to cover their hair or not. It's It's gonna be their choice. But if they choose to, I don't want them to feel there is no role models who look like me. And um, I'm, I'm pretty happy that my oldest, Maryam, she just turned 10. And she has been following my whole journey of transition, right? Like when I started school, she was five. She used to see mommy as a student, finishing assignments, running to take, you know, the train to go to another city to attend my classes, um, <laughs> attending my midterms during the night because um, I cannot do my my proctor exam with three children during the day. So I would just email my professors, hey, I'm having three children. <laughs> I cannot attend my midterm from 12 to 3 p.m. Can you please open the exam to me at night after my kids sleep? And they are they were extremely supportive. Like some of them will literally be online during my time at night just to make sure I'm not facing any technical issues. Now she she saw me she she saw me as well going to corporates for training. Um, now graduating from my you know advanced diploma program, got into masters, working full time, trying to support other groups. Um, so she's like, "Oh, mommy, you are doing it! Like you are famous." I'm like, "I'm not doing this to be famous. <laughs> I'm doing this so when you grow up, you can see." mommy and other women look like mommy or other women who are Egyptians or whatever their minority backgrounds are and they're thriving they are leading people they are they are succeeding and this be, become our normal normal right like I want this to be our normal I don't want to look at another um, most invisible woman out there who is probably gonna be a senior software engineer or whatever and I say, Oh, how did she do it, right? I want this to be normal, like, like you see any other woman, you know. Um, so, so the thing is, I'm really, I, 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 I get pushed, I push myself hard to do it for my daughters and uh, for 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 all the the girls we have in our community. Just look, look at any organization, check the C-suite in any organization. And, and see the percentage of women versus men. I would say all the women, not just minority groups. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good and it doesn't re represent um, how women are passionate towards their career. So I'm happy we are meeting here as um, Women Developer Academy graduates. <laughs> so we are able to change um, this reality in more positive, optimistic way. Um, and and yeah, look, looking forward for more, more opportunities to keep doing that. Don't be afraid of taking space in any room. Uh, speak up for yourself. Don't doubt your ability to achieve anything you want. Um, and don't let anyone's comments affect your um, your confidence or your your 
your your ambitious your ambition in, in achieving anything you want uh, surround yourself with the support circle um of women who, who who can lift you when you need and you can lift them when they need someone to 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 be with them it's definitely um very helpful during hard times just to feel to feel like you have a kind of like support circle